Hey, what's happening, listeners? Welcome back to another episode of Maintenance Disrupted. This is Blair Fraser speaking, and this week I get to welcome my friend, my colleague, Chris Halem from UE Systems. He runs our UK operations, and he is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to predictive maintenance and ultrasound. But before we get into my discussion with Chris, a quick note from our sponsor, NanoPercise, who brings us each week a machine doctor to the rescue snippet. This week is about the zone approved or the ATEX approved solution machine doctor. He was able to spot an early fault in the critical compressor bearing and alert about a pending issue, saving a fortune 500 oil and gas giant, a major failure, right? This is in oil and gas. And of course the highlight of this is the ATEX zone approved. I invite you to check out nanoprecise.io and find out more about their product. Now, on to our podcast with my pal, Chris. We're going to talk a lot about the fundamentals of ultrasound, what it is, but really what we're focusing on is the new Smart Lube System by UE System. It's a product that has been decades in the making, designed specifically to monitor the friction in your bearing in real time and allow you to remotely grease your bearings with precision from anywhere, anytime, using that feedback as your guide. I hope you enjoy this podcast with Chris. Chris, thanks for coming on the podcast, buddy. Well, you're welcome, Blair, anytime. Good. So, uh, listeners, this is Chris Hallam. He's a, uh, a friend, a colleague uh at at ue systems and the reason i uh, actually chris why don't you do an introduction of yourself you'll do it better yeah yeah hi yeah hi everyone my my name's uh chris hallam i'm the uh uk and ireland manager for ue systems uh i've been with the company now for about five 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 years or so just over uh with a background myself of electrical engineering in the uh british armed forces uh, in the royal air force um applying my trade for many years on airfield navigation systems radars and things like that and then once coming out of the military as a trained uh, it, it teacher, teaching engineers of the future uh, on the railways, moved to UE Systems, teaching at ultrasound for a living and found it very enjoyable. And it's great being out there to help people in industry to find new ways to actually solve their problems. Um, and it's great. So, yeah, that's pretty much my background. Great. And, and it's, it's funny, Chris, we, we got to meet for the first time in person uh, in, our, in our Netherlands office and some of your stories on the places you've been, the people you've trained. We can't tell a lot of them because uh, we have to, we can't go into those kind of details on this podcast, but man, right. you have some stories. Oh, indeed. There has been some scenarios and things that you just couldn't make up. <laughs> That's right. right. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, being in, in ultrasound for five years and, and in particular, you know, we've, we've at UE systems, we've launched some new products. Um, how excited are you for the future of where ultrasound's going? Well, Blair, the thing is with ultrasound, it, it seems to be something that's ever evolving. Um, it, it's been around since the early 70s, which is it's hard to believe, really. Um, and it's one of those technologies where people just, I don't think, have been that aware of the f- true capabilities of the technology and how diverse it can be used and how versatile it can be from one piece of technology. Um, and seeing the developments from those early days to where we are now, has been astounding, but then looking into the future and the development of how the technology and where it's going now is even more exciting. 
um, you know, there's looking at different ways to help a department, looking at, you know, the lack of manpower issues, the lack of time issues and things like that. And the developments that are going to be coming from UE systems that are going to help improve those areas and find solutions to those problems is just, yeah, really exciting. Good. And, you know, I think you are um, very excited and, and your customers are very excited about our, you know, our, I guess our latest release, which is the smart loop system. Yes. Uh, the, the on-track smart loop. It's uh, something that I keep getting called about every day at the moment. And uh, people come into me saying, Hey, I've seen this new system, the on-track smart loop. I was thinking about that years and years ago. And it's like, yeah, so was I. The first time I started using ultrasounds for mechanical inspections, I thought to myself, hey, wouldn't it be great to take some readings of these bearings with this ultrasound device? And then when it hits that alarm level, finding a way of being able to get that grease to that point at the same time. And that's where then this on-track smart loop came to fruition, where we have the actual technology now to implement a system that can actually continuously monitor a bearing 24-7. For the slightest of changes, as we know, ultrasound is one of the early detectors of a change in a condition. And then by using that system to then link up with a smart lube device that can actually activate greasing from anywhere at any time is absolutely amazing. And this is what our customers now are looking at because of the lack of manpower they have, the lack of time, and wanting to actually improve their lubrication practices. We're... So yeah, I think you did a good job describing it. So it's we're, we're measuring that friction in a bearing. We're we're looking for that early warning notification exactly. of if, of a bearing requiring lubrication, and actually what I call closing that loop, completing that loop, and actually That's right, dispensing yeah. the grease. This is it. So where where do your customers and and you have some install base out there? Like where where are they seeing the value, or or where's the even before they get their hands on this unit? Where where what problem are they trying to solve? Is it resource? Is it you know lack of, of lubrication, over lubrication? Is it everything? Like what, what problem are they typically trying to solve? The the problem seems to be, Blair, that in a, in industry you do find that there are a lot of bearings that require lubrication. And uh, some industries have sort of like a time-based lubrication program, but then it's hard to keep track about what points are being lubricated, how much is lubrication is being used. And also then they're on another tight schedule because of things like COVID and that that have been over the past few years, which has disrupted certain day-to-day tasks, that certain tasks then get put to one side. And sometimes lubrication is one of those tasks. It's kind of, oh yeah, we'll do that later. But of course, if we put something down to do later, chances of it getting done, it's quite slim. And that resource there, by having something like the smart lube in place, will then alleviate that problem that they face that they can have something there that's managing it for them. And with their input from anywhere can then just keep on top of that. And so how, how big of a deal is that from anywhere, anytime? The anywhere, anytime is quite key, I think, because again, as we're using ultrasound for that check, checking that slight change in friction, as soon as we get that indication of an alarm level being met or a rise in friction, they know that that bearing is now telling them that it requires some form of lubrication requ- needs as such and that that you know during that any one time during the day those alarms could happen and somebody might not be available to go out there to provide that lubrication or on a very large site or a remote site they might not even be able to get there so by by having that button that they can press from anywhere that can do that lubrication it can save them a potential outage absolutely 
And I guess for our listeners, if, if they're not familiar with ultrasound, how would, how, you know, being a trainer, being trained in training, um, how, how would you explain ultrasound and its ability to detect when a grease requires bearing? Okay. So, sorry, when a bearing requires yeah, grease. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, ultrasound is generated in two ways. And the two ways ultrasound is generated is firstly through turbulent flow. So think about a compressed gas or compressed air system that has a leak will generate turbulence, which will generate ultrasound. The second way that ultrasound is generated is through friction. And of course, we're talking about high frequency sounds that we can't hear. And one of the first characteristical changes in the condition of an asset like a bearing is its change in its high frequency emissions, the stuff that we can't hear. So by the time it all it becomes audible that we can hear it in the lower frequency range, the damage is already done. So if we can detect the slightest change in the high frequency path as such it'll help us then with preventing a potential failure in the future so by using ultrasound technology we are then monitoring the very finite changes that means that the rectification work required on a slight change is actually very minimal and non-intrusive and less impactful into the day-to-day running so that's why using something like the on-track smart loop will help them for detecting those small changes and keeping on top of it and keeping it running at its most optimal level for the longest period possible. Right. So essentially, we're using ultrasound to, in, in the case of a bearing, to measure the friction in a bearing. Exactly that. That's all we're doing. We're just measuring that friction, that level of lubrication within that bearing. So once, so we have this sensor, it's measuring the friction. How do we know what change of friction requires grease? So what we do then, Blair, with a bearing, ideally in a good state, first of all, is to get a baseline value. And that could be any sort of decibel value written. There's no set standard, this is a good baseline value number. There's many different variables that will relate to the level of friction generated, be it the speed, the load, the conditions it's operating in. Things like that will affect the level of friction within that bearing. But it should be a smooth, uniform and consistent decibel value. Now, if we have that consistent set decibel value, we can then set alarm levels. And these are set alarm levels that are written in ISO standards at 8 decibels and 16 decibels above whatever the baseline value is. And traditionally, the low-level alarm, the 8 decibel alarm, is classified as a potential lubrication-related alarm. So we can use ultrasound to then have our baseline set, then have our low, low alarm and high alarm levels set, And as soon as we hit that low alarm level, we can then look at applying grease to help reduce the friction level again back to its baseline or near that baseline. Gotcha. So we're using ISO standards. They're not, we're not picking numbers out of the sky. No. Right. There's some standards there, but but the key is to get identifying and marking that baseline and a healthy presumably well lubricated bearing that's that's correct and in some a lot of the questions i do get at times blair is that well how do i know if i've got a good baseline um and the question the, the, res- the easy response to that is that if it is a consistently good baseline you would be looking at a consistent steady decibel value if you start taking a reading on a bearing that's in al- already in a potential state of uh, failure or problem as such, you'll find that that decibel value will gradually rise as the friction level starts to increase because of that damage already there. So if you're not seeing steady baselines and you're seeing a gentle rise, you know you're already on the path to a potentially problematic bearing. Right. So when we talk about the automation and anytime, anywhere, so now 
we have this, we have a sensor, an ultrasound sensor that's measuring that friction in a bearing. Yes. What's it doing with that friction? How, how does the smart loop system work once, once it measures that friction? So what we're getting, obviously, is we're getting the friction level, a decibel value. So the ultrasound system itself is using a principal system called heterodyning, which is taking the high frequency emissions, mixing that with a high frequency source and producing an audible or lower frequency sound for us to use to relate to what the emission actually is. And then we apply that into our um, on-track system using the UE Insights cloud-based dashboard to then set up our parameters, set up our indicators, our monitoring systems, to then actually provide us with an alarm notification system in there. And then using that alarm notification system, we can have simplistic alerts can actually tell the user, hey, you've hit this alarm level. This alarm level tells us that you require to lubricate. What do you want to do as a user? And it will then present you with the option of how you would like to then go ahead next. And then as the user, you can then say, hey, yep, I can see that it's raised above the baseline. I've looked at the data. I want you to lubricate. So then that user can then push that button to then start the lubrication process while at the same time monitoring that friction level as it starts to reduce if it's a bearing or lubrication related problem. Right. So I guess fundamentally you've answered the first question of when does a bearing require grease, right? Yes. By looking at the friction. So how does the system know how much grease to put in? So the system will look at certain metrics that as a user, when you start to set this up, we'll look at key insights to the actual bearing itself. What type of bearing is it? What type of grease are we using? How much grease is recommended by the actual OEM for that bearing? And then we'll set up key parameters in, into the system to ensure that things like over lubrication doesn't occur. Because that's one of the key questions whenever talking about an online automated lubrication system all the time is, hey, how do I avoid over-lubrication then? Because that can be a big problem too. So we put in these key insights about the recommended total quantity and things like that. And then we program the system to then look at this so that we prevent ourselves from putting in too much grease. And also, if we were to over-lubricate a bearing, we would see the bearing dB value go down towards its baseline. But as we start to over-lubricate, we'll start to see a gradual rise again in decibel value. And it's putting key things like that into the system as well, that it can detect the change when it goes down and then back up to make sure that we're not over-lubricating. I hope that makes sense as well, along with obviously making sure that we don't put in more grease than actually is recommended by the OEM. That's right. So yeah, so we, we've essentially answered two questions. When does a bearing require grease and how much grease is required, mm -hmm. right? But, and as you pointed out, the, the true value is, is the simplicity and the automatic ability to do that, right? From a push exactly. of a button. And, and I, I've had this when I've talked to customers and, and you know, they said, yes, I've been telling you guys to do this for 10 years, right? And there's two fundamental things. Is one is that, you know, the technology wasn't quite ready 10 years ago from a connectivity point of view of setting this data. And, and two is, you know, we, we simplify it, but the logic that goes into how the grease is dispensed is it's, you know, on, on, on the outside, and, and I'm sure we'll start to see, you know, people start to try to replicate this, the solution, but where, where we hold the patent is of course in the, in the ability to do that, but also the logic that's required to determine how much grease. So, and, and I'm, I'm speaking from, 
from personal experience here is, you know, you can start off with if, you know, friction or decibel is above eight, then apply grease and, until friction equals this. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but it's not that simple. And, and, you know, where people start to really value it is, is, you know, there's different in a manufacturing industrial environment, nothing is as it seems. So nothing runs perfect. There's, no. there's startups, there's shutdowns, there's ba- things banging into each other. Right. So how we, um, do analysis on that signal. It's a time series value, but we're not taking it as a whole. So there's a lot of um, um, averaging and stuff that happens in the signal processing. Just yep. it's not right. And then the other part is, you know, what what really got people is it's not okay. Friction goes up and just start dispensing grease until it, it, it gets to that baseline. It's very methodical and it can often take a small bearing up to 30 minutes to properly lubricate, depending how much grease it needs. Yeah, and the, reason, the reason it does that is it dispenses a little bit of grease, which is programmable depending on the size of the bearing, but it's waiting for that change in friction, right? It's waiting to see the response. Yes. It's waiting to see that and it will make that decision. And as you said, this, this was learned over hundreds, thousands of bearings of all makes and models right? In different conditions. What if that bearing has a defect and we're lubing, right? Exactly. So there's a lot of scenarios under this, you know, best case marketing scenario where you see, Hey, you know, friction's up by grease and it went down that, I mean, that's great. And it exists too, but there's also considerations of, you know, the secondary damage. If you have a defect in that bearing, yes, grease can mask friction, but what I tell Mm -hmm. people is it comes back. Right. Exactly. This is what we say. Yeah, because you can lubricate something and it can then go from something that sounds very coarse, very crackly. You apply that grease, it becomes smooth and uniform. You think, ah, wow. You know, it's that eureka moment. I've, I've solved the problem. Come back five minutes later and hey up, the decibel value has gone back up. That crackly sounds back. Doesn't mean I'm going to put more grease in, does it? It means that the grease did not cause, you know, solve the solution for this. And it's a physical problem now. So That's yeah, right. we teach this. This is something we teach all the time when it comes to lubrication practices with ultrasound. Yeah. So if you're not careful, you can go back and just the, the system, if you, if you don't understand ultrasound and how the system works, you know, as a scan, the simplicity of, of linking these two together is not the challenge. It was the challenge along the intellectual property of connecting the two is you could have a system that just keep on putting grease in because it would see in the next hour that friction come back. Oh, it needs more grease. Exactly. Right? This but is it. You're... It could tell you this. Yeah, that's right. And that's why having the user being involved with the process is still very important. And then also having the user trained in the understandings of Oldstown is very important. Because like you say, if you had somebody that wasn't educated or understanding how Oldstown works as a technology, and they see a rise in friction, and they, they start dispensing grease, and it, co- it solves the problem, but then 10 minutes later, it's asking the same thing again. If you're not trained or understanding how an Oldstown works, you might start trying to apply more grease and then causing a secondary problem. So it's as we say with any sort of predictive technology, is to make sure that actually you pay attention to training and making sure that your users out there that are using these technologies are fully understanding how the technology works. Because without that, you may as well not bother using a technology. Yeah, and exactly. And and those edge cases of those scenarios, or um, another example is in food and beverage where. Um, for better, for worse, they have cleaning procedures, which often involves blowing grease right out of bearings. Uh, you have yep. to repack a bearing. Uh, what, what's interesting, if you look at using our system for repacking a bearing, your friction as you, or, or I guess you purge out the old grease and 
water often out of that bearing, uh, your friction is going to be high for a while until yes. that old grease gets pushed out. There's a purge port. So those type of edge case scenarios, which often don't get talked about from a marketing perspective, are where we can really differentiate the smart loop system because we can pick those up. We can learn those patterns. We've seen it where, listen, you've just greased this an hour ago and that friction's back. There's an alert. Yep. Or exactly. grease, you know, or we've been putting grease into this bearing two intervals now. So it might be a small amount, but the friction hasn't changed, right? How often yep. have you seen these single point lubricators where, you know, traditional single point lubricators, I don't know, you've probably experienced this too, Chris, is no one loves them. People either tolerate them because they're on um, like traditional time-based single point lubricators because they're on assets that they can't reach. They're dangerous. They're in, in, in harsh environments or people just despise them. Just it's, there's it, a there's yes. an uncanny hatred for them because they've failed them. They've been out there thinking they're going off every month. The leg line's been gummed up. The battery died. They ran out of grease. Someone disconnected it, right? So when we start talking about these single point lubricators, you can tell right away and people are like, oh, right? But it's, it, it, yes. so you start talking about, well, what if you were to monitor that on your smartphone, on your app, on your desktop, 24 seven, you know exactly how much grease is left, right? Well, this is the thing. This is the thing with single point lubricators, the traditional versions of these is that, you know, that you still need to have that time to make sure going along to each individual lubricator to make sure it's got grease in it still to make sure it's still working correctly. You know, the other thing I've had scenarios before now where I've seen customers using these single point lubricators, you know, standalone ones um, on two conveyor systems when one of them, when one side's running, the other side's not. But the single point lubricator is still going to try to apply the grease even when it's not running. And I could go along and I could see grease pouring out of the sides. They're empty. How long have they been there? I don't know. They're full of dust, covered in dirt. Been there a while. That system hasn't been running. So by having this um, smart lube add-on to the on-track system, where it can then feed back key insights to its condition with how much grease is remaining when the last grease was dispensed and how much was dispensed is also really valuable to the actual user because they don't have to go back out and babysit these smart loops to see actually what's going on with them. You get that intelligent back pressure that if there's a remote line that is not getting grease to it, it will tell you. Things like that, you know, because normally a traditional single point lubricator isn't going to provide that feedback unless you go out there continuously checking and monitoring. And if you've got a few hundred of these around a plant, that's a lot big job. It's going to take up a lot of time. That's right. And for the for the first time now, there's there's going to be an onset as, as devices get connected. So a, a smart connected lubricator where, you know, it can tell you things, but I can't see a way without ultrasound to ensure grease is getting to that bearing. Well, right, that is making thing, its way it? through because yes. there's always going to be a change in that friction for better, for worse in that, uh, that ultrasound level. Right. So that's it's really the definitely. only way you can make, unless, unless someone figures out how to tie a camera into every single point lubricator and can actually see inside the bearing and, and see grease. Right. So now for the first time ever, you actually have, it's something I call uh, remote bearing lubrication certainty, right? It was the certainty of knowing that, when you call upon that lubricator or when the system calls upon that lubricator to grease, you know, it's ready. You know that it's working. Absolutely. Right? That's the thing you get to see 
on the system that grease has been dispensed. At the same time, you can correlate that to a change in friction level, a dB value change as that grease is being used. And the key thing as well with this is that this is, you know, your traditional high-speed bearings, but your slow-speed systems as well. Ultrasound is a key technology with looking at friction even on the very slowest of bearings. Because if there's rotational movement, there's some form of friction there. So we can use ultrasound to help us in all areas of this with regards to rotating assets. Exactly. And I'm glad you brought that up because it leads into our new 850S smart analog sensor Absolutely. that has just came out, right? And, and the way I describe it, and the reason we put so much effort around this was, again, to fit into simplicity. And the way I describe it is there's always a challenge with, with ultrasound um, between the lowest level of quote unquote noise that can be measured and the measurement range of the sensor. So traditionally, and you might be able to add to some more context to this, Chris, is the way I describe it is think of this, the slowest speed, quietest bearing. We want to measure the friction in that. With the same sensor, we want to measure the loudest bearing that's spinning at, you know, 1600 RPM, right? And to do that, the, first of all, decibel is, is, it's not an absolute number like temperature, right? It's not to, Right. So there's a challenge there. So where we have is how then there's only a few people that make sensors in the market today because the technology is it's tough. It's not a commodity like vibration. You, and it's to me, it's that low floor, the low um, floor noise, the ability to pick up the smallest changes at a, um, an asset or a bearing or leak um, at the smallest level, but also have that full range to be able to pick up as that bearing starts to fail, that friction is going to decrease. So have that full range in a sensor, right? And the way that's been done is you have to adjust the sensitivity of these sensors. Either the vendor locks you into this range, you've got zero to 30 decibels. And if you put this on a loud bearing, you might be at 26, you only have four decibels to go, or you might be off the scale. You can't even measure any decibels, right? Which Absolutely. is common. So what we did is we put and patented this feature called auto sensitivity, auto adjustment. It's going to adjust the sensitivity automatically. You know, I, I, it's not the correct term. I think of moving a dial automatically. So it's going to hone in on that application specifically for that. Right. And that's exactly it because there's a lot of equipment that moves pretty slow out there. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you think about other assets that have a slight variable frequency drive in there that will change the speed, which can also change the friction levels, you know, it, with the traditional analog sensors there of the past or uh, been used recently, even you have to manually adjust that sensitivity level to meet the decibel or friction level within that bearing. Now, having a bearing that will change its friction related to speed and potentially load even will also change that factor which could take you in or out of those sensitivity adjustments. Now, by having a smart sensor that can actually adjust itself automatically, depending on the values you're seeing, so it can read a wider range of decibel values, is really quite key. Because like you say, you know, we want to be able to cover a potential large range of speeds here, which will give you a, you know, a large range of decibel values or baselines that you want to cover. So by having this auto-sensitivity adjust, is going to do... Uh, Another again, another timely job that a user would have to then normally, previously, manually have to go and change themselves. That's right. And the reality is, we're trying to to save bearings from failing. But eventually, and if we do our job right, they are going to wear out. They're going to wear out because of duty, because of 
they serve their purpose, right? Most bearings don't exactly. ever make it to that, you know, no. that life, look, Sam, yeah. right? Unfortunately, but eventually they're going to have to be changed. And then at that point, you imagine a bearing that's been in service that's gone through its life and failed the amount of friction that's generated. And then you put a brand new bearing in, install it properly. It should be nice and quiet. So then you've got to go back and adjust that sensor again, right? Yeah, yeah, really, yep. We really wanted to get out of that. And the main driver for that is we're seeing applications. Like we jokingly say that we get, you know, put in the, the remote, dirtiest, dangerous places because people don't generally want to hang out there, right? Or there's no time to get there, right? So to put, to say you have to go in there to adjust your sensor every time is defeating the purpose, right? Absolutely. This is it. Yeah. There are some environments that are very unpleasant to human beings that we don't really want to be in without having to put on full PPE masks and all sorts of gear. And if you can put these sort of devices in there, again, you're saving time, but also, you know, you're reducing that risk to the, to the users as well. Um, so yeah, by ha being able to put something like that into a remote inhospitable place, good thing to do. I think I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, and as I said, we're, we're getting a lot of, um, a lot of attention with this system, with this system, a lot of people saying finally, right. Which, which is fine, Absolutely. which is good, which yep. is good. You know, I, I had, so I had a guy last week, go, where were you three years ago? Well, like, well point is we're here now let's roll. Right. And exactly. they are, and they are, are rolling. We've seen, I don't think there's an industry now where we don't have one of these systems out there. Um, uh, at least for a, a reference point of view. Um, and, and, you know, I've been, I've had the pleasure of, um, you know, commissioning a lot of these, uh, which is always, you know, just seeing the sheer, as you said, the variety of, of, of assets that are out there. Some I've just never even heard of. Like, what is that thing? If it spins and needs grease, we can put it on it, right? How, exactly. How, how do you find your customers are starting with this? Like, what is the process saying? Okay, I have bearings. I'm likely either under or over lubricating them. I want to use technology to ensure optimal lubrication. But what's the process of, of, you know, getting one of these systems, how do you recommend they start? So what I've seen recently is um, a lot, of, there's been people that have been ultrasound users in the past who actually appreciate the value of ultrasound and what it's actually capable of doing. And when they see this on track smart loop introduction being out there in the wider world, they kind of already understand how it's going to work for them in that respect. So they kind of already have an idea about what they want to achieve. But then there are other users out there that actually do come to us and say, hey, look, we know we've we've we want to improve our lubrication practices. They've seen maybe articles about how they could use ultrasound, maybe through one of the handheld grease caddy units, for example, or something like that. Um, and look at the ways to improve that. And again, it's having that issues with time and access and the sheer number of areas that they need to get covered. Um, so we get inquiries into those sort of things as well. I mean, UE Systems traditionally has been a handheld device manufacturer, um, but I spend a, a very large proportion of my time these days discussing the online solutions um, because it's something that industry really do want. They need it. I think having COVID and lockdowns where they've had less numbers of people on sites. The maintenance crews have been reduced because of social distancing, for example, and things like that. It means that their time is really precious to them. And there are so many key tasks that they're required to fulfill in, those in that time that if they can find ways of relieving that pressure 
by putting something else in place that can do that job for them, then, you know, that's going to help them dramatically. And that's where, you know, we see the process is coming. It's normally people that want to have a look at improving the way they lubricate. Because even when having a good time-based lubrication practice, a manual one, there are still ele human element areas where you could still see human error in there. Things like contamination, the wrong type of grease, and things like that, where having a smart lube system on there that supplies the right grease all the time and then removes the risk of contamination by having it permanently fixed there as well. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Chris, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Um, no, you're welcome. It's brilliant time. I guess, how, how can our listeners, uh, you know, they're probably on this side of the pond, if you will, but maybe they want to reach out to you, ask you some questions. How, how can they find you? Well, they can find me quite easily using um, going onto our website at uesystems.com. Uh, and you'll see that my contact details are actually on the web page, on the front there. If you click on the Union Jack, if you're from this side of the pond, you can always get hold of me that way. I'm also on LinkedIn, um, normally very active with a load of series of webinars I've done in the past. Um, always happy to discuss how to get the best out of ultrasound with our users or anybody that's not used it before. Absolutely. You know, and I think what we have to do is um, maybe next time we can get uh, a user on here. Uh, Absolutely. To talk, to talk about their experiences and, 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 and whether it's smart lube or just ultrasound in general, like that'd be interesting. Absolutely. We have some really, really good users here in the UK that have actually presented on, uh, on my behalf in the past about some of the gains that they've they've found with using ultrasound as part of a wider predictive maintenance program on site, looking at improving reliability and things like that. So yeah, if there's also, if there's anybody out there listening that wants to actually get involved from the UK side, you know, you can always hit me up and we can always tee something up with that. Awesome. Well, thanks, Chris. Always a pleasure, my friend. Brilliant. Thanks, Blair. Thanks for your time.